Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. I'm having a packet of crisps. I didn't think you were going to come to me there. That's all right. He's having a post-show packet of crisps. That's fair enough. He's got to get his energy up. And uh, hmm. this is the H&J Daily, some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. And uh, Andy, what did we like today? Well, we very much enjoyed uh, Mike Parry in lockdown. I'm loving Porky in lockdown. He's, he's yep. on terrific form. He lifts your spirits with his madness. Yep. Um, the diary section from H&J on tour. Mm-hmm. We had a chat, of course. Uh, Rupert came on and uh, talked about his vegetables and his chutney john yeah. Ketley. we had a chat about the weather so it's better than it sounded really harry hill was on good form and uh, of course dance reading steve bruce and clips of the month that's it it's all here uh, enjoy <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Oh, good afternoon, Paul. And uh, I finally got to the uh, final episode of the English game last night. And, okay. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to do. I don't want to spoil it. But the thing is, I started logging the match, the football, and I thought. But as I did it, I thought, you know what? I can't do this because I'm going to spoil it for people. So yeah. I, I don't want to do without that. giving away well, the I, final score. Can you not give us any of well, it? Well, I can. Yes, I can. What the game? Who was did, playing? Tell us who was playing in the match. W- Old Etonians versus Blackburn. It was a oh, tremendous okay. game. Uh, the referee was 50s comedy icon, Mr. Pastry. Look him up, kids. Yeah. Uh, was Kevin the, Gallagher playing? No, there was Sorry, a great Kev, tackle by... If you're listening. <laughs> great tackle by Kinnaird early on. That was good. Yeah. Uh, we, Arthur hit the post. That was tremendous. And uh, at one point, one of the Old Etonians has to go off injured. And uh, Sue turns to me and said, are there any subs? I went, not really. Not in 1878 or whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh, there were some great goals. It was a great game. It was a great drama. But it did strike me that Arthur Kinnaird, who was a real person, of course, yeah. was a wonderful, wonderful man. And 30 years he was president of the FA. And I, I, I wish he was president of FIFA now. He'd be a lot better than Infantino. There's no question about it. So uh, He'd be very old, but, Andy. It'd be very difficult for him to do that now. <laughs> he, really. he would be. Yeah. And then I, I watched Rocky and Wrighty. It was terrific, actually. Yeah, really. it was, wasn't it? Brilliant and uh, very enjoyable. And what a great player David Rocastle was. I mean, tremendous. Not so great for you when they scored the winner uh, at Tottenham in the Littlewood semi-final, White Hart Lane. Yes, I remember. Yeah. I was there that night. I remember that well. Uh, too well, in fact. But Wrighty, Wrighty's story is amazing, isn't it? I mean, he's a wonderful man, Wrighty. But 22 before he got signed, it's amazing that yeah. nobody could see this, that he, you know, that it 
that he came to football in the way that he did. And it was Steve Coppel, really. But it's, it's a great story. If you haven't seen it, I recommend it. One bit, though, that did was made me nostalgic. At the end, when Arsenal win the league at Liverpool, you know, up for grabs now, all yeah. that stuff, brilliant <laughs> commentary. ITV are running out of time, as we know. They, they didn't have what we have now, like half an hour after the game and Jamie Carragher and Gary going through it all. No, basically, they were running out of time. Jim Rosenthal was interviewing Tony Adams. And do you remember that in the corner of the screen, when they'd be running out of time, there'd be a little thing spinning. Yeah, like a little black, black and, and white, white thing, thing spinning. Yeah. Little black and white thing spinning. So, no, oh, let's hear it for the little black and white thing. And uh, so there we go. But all in all, it was a very enjoyable night's telly. So that was good. And some good things, I think, for tonight as well. Um, now, just looking through the papers, there's some uh, very good stuff. You see some people like Chris Ashton. Um, um, he wish him well. He's, he's had uh, the coronavirus. Uh, but hope, thankfully, he's feeling a bit better. But they found the picture researchers in the sun did really well. They managed to find a picture of him playing but where it looks like he's coughing oh, really? <laughs> I don't know how they managed that well done to them um, somebody's written to the star with a great uh, way to survive the lockdown uh, this is a J star in Blackpool he said best way to survive the lockdown read the daily star and text on a daily basis I'm thinking no not really honestly wouldn't be top of my list that. I've got to be <laughs> it honest wouldn't be, it wouldn't be top of my list either yeah. oh and what a very good April Fool's joke from Daniel Levy it wasn't that funny yeah came up with that brilliant wasn't it yeah fooled me I, I thought well no one would be as stupid to say that people have got to take a pay cut when you've just had a three million pound bonus on the same day surely not he'll come out today Daniel and say he's only kidding our old mate Stan Collymore <laughs> making the point uh, I noticed on online last night on social media that Daniel Levy got a three million pound bonus for delivering the stadium on time what an amount on time <laughs> all those trips to Wembley that was part of an yeah. elaborate ruse but uh, yeah, um, it was. Look, it's not gone down too well, has it? Really, I don't think we're everybody's favourite club today. No, but it's it's Newcastle. It's not a good look. Henry Winter's absolutely right about this. It's not a good look for football to be, you know, going to the government for money. For you know, it's wrong. It's absolutely intrinsic. They must realise this. You know that they've got to do what they've done in in Spain and in Germany. The players. You know, I'm not a big fan of telling people how to spend their money, and I know players are, are probably supporting their families and all that stuff. But on the other hand, it doesn't look good, does it? That yeah. at all. I was quite shocked. Tottenham's wages uh, have been published today online. But, you know, that's the sort of thing that happens yeah. when you when you have, make that sort of announcement that Daniel Levy did yesterday. Mm. And to see um, Tangi and Dombele is on the same money as Harry Kane. He's on the twice the money that Hugo Lloris really? is. Another two hundred thousand pounds a week, God. if these figures are to be believed. Really? He's on the uh, same money. Um, so oh I just maybe should get some fitness equipment in over the next couple of weeks, <laughs> uh, which apparently is going very well. Um, oh, yes. You, you won't be surprised here, Andy, that um, uh, Sweaty Betty's, this is a company, not a woman called Betty, uh, Sweaty <laughs> Betty's 40-pound eco yoga mat is out oh, yes. of stock. So if you were looking oh, to no. get a Sweaty Betty eco, because there's been a heavy demand for skipping ropes, dumbbells, training devices, and uh, those things you can attach to the back wheels of a bike to make them a kind of indoor bike you know the sort of that sort of thing so yeah i know what you mean fitness yeah. equipment going through the roof at the moment <laughs> be great if you're doing it and they come off and you just go straight through the wall <laughs> tremendous people haven't and, got uh, sorry i'm just going to say people haven't quite got the idea of lockdown there's been a couple of stories uh, over the last couple of days that tell you that uh one we may come back to this is a golf course in leon c in essex south end oh right? yeah brilliant um, isn't it? that's had to fill in all 18 holes because people just keep going out there 
and hitting balls when they're telling them not to. Also, a parish council in uh, Swindon had to weld shut the gates. Um, they, they welded shut the gates of the tennis uh, courts they've got there because people just kept going along playing tennis. I mean, you can't keep a lot the of separation. Yeah. You know, you're picking up the same ball when you play. Yes, you're sw- I you, know, you are. You're doing that all the time. Yeah. So, there's a, yeah, so possibly you can get that there. So people haven't quite got the hang of that yet, have they? <laughs> no, and uh, obviously uh, one of the things we, we try to avoid is touching your own face in this mm. particular period. Is You know, if you touch something and you haven't, you've got to wash your hands, of course you have, but... Definitely don't touch your own face. And we do it about 250 times a day, apparently. But a scientist in uh, Australia basically has fallen foul of this. He was trying to invent a device to stop people touching their faces. And uh, he he got four magnets stuck up his nose. (laughs) (laughs) The the magnets shot up his nostrils and uh, he ended up in hospital in Melbourne, Australia. So, uh, so he had, well he had a number of surgeons touching his face at that point, trying to <laughs> remove, really. trying to remove the magnets. I suppose we, what would you do? You'd have magnets on the end of your fingers, yeah. magnets in your face, and then I suppose when you hands go towards your face, they sort of repel. Yeah, uh, obviously it, it didn't work, but nice, <laughs> nice effort. <laughs> obviously, it didn't work. <laughs> no, That's it. Didn't. it. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and uh, fashion. Last week we heard from. Uh, fashion editors they are struggling i mean really and today in the times it's relax you can still look good in lockdown the fashion directors pick of the best at home styles (laughs) i know it's time to perfect your third wardrobe the one that's not for work or play but home says anna murphy oh don't bother just wear a tracksuit like everybody else really (laughs) our first show at home last week andy i'm not sure if i dreamt this or not did you put on a suit and tie last week or was that a dream i had no i did i thought thought, first day yeah, I was sitting here earlier on thinking, did I dream that? Because it's sort of, it's sort of crackpot thing he do, sitting doors with a suit and tie on. But no, no you I had did the jeans it. on underneath, yeah. It, it, it wasn't a dream. Okay, fair it enough. It was the old ITV newsreaders thing. When I used to work at ITN uh, with yeah. the great, late, great David Bobin, a wonderful man, he would basically read the news in the morning and he'd have a shirt and tie on and underneath he'd have jeans. And that was his thing. And, yeah. they, and apparently they all did this. So, I don't know why, because I think it's just as easy to wear suit trousers as jeans trousers, but for some psychological reason, that's, that's what they did. All the Sky Sports uh, news guys used to do that back in the day, but then they used to have to, as Jim will tell you, they now go walk about in the studio. They stand with their little iPads. They have a stroll, so they're not able to do that anymore. Oh, you know, you that's can, bad luck, really. I mean, some maybe did the whole thing bottomless. I've got no idea. That would, be, that would have been a bit of a ruse, wouldn't it? A pair of, yeah, pair of pants on a pair of Speedos. I'm trying to remember what... Carol Barnes wore under the desk. I think she wore jeans as well, but there we go. There, okay, that's the way well, it was. Just, just some of the secrets of the stars. <laughs> the secrets of the stars. No, no question about it. And uh, I felt sorry for Steph McGovern. She's uh, started a new show this week on Channel 4. I don't know if you've noticed this. And uh, she's had to do it from home, which is not ideal. And uh, the first day, it was listed as 12 o'clock to 12.05. Oh, that's not much of a show, is it? And uh, <laughs> the next day, it was listed to 1.05. Uh, it pulled in a disappointing 240,000 viewers, uh, 70,000 lot left during the program. It's a bit harsh on poor old Steph, and yeah. uh, but th- but there you go. So uh, hopefully it'll it'll work out better for her when she can actually get in the studio. Okay. Have you got shares in the business or something? You seem very worried no, about I, that. I, I, worried about yeah, her I'm, audience figures, but worry about <laughs> her own, Andy. <laughs> anyway, oh, well, that's a very good point. Coming up uh, this afternoon. <laughs> never mind Steph. I've, not, I've got nothing against her. No, I think. I think ours are a touch up, actually. I think oh, okay. Oh, blimey. Okay. Well, uh, Marvellous. No, so I heard. Yeah.
Okay. Don't All right then. Why. Uh, Lord knows. <laughs> but I'm out bored of people. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we will take you in to uh, the travel with an old theme tune. We're trying to keep your spirits up with an old theme tune every day. Bit of nostalgia. Let's take you back to the 70s and 80s. Pop Black, the old snooker show on BBC Two. Here's the theme music. Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Mike Parry is looking at the moon uh, and watching old <laughs> Rambo films. And, and he, jo- he joins us now. Good afternoon, Mike. Oh, hi, guys. Uh, what a pleasure it is to speak to you, boys. I mean, when you're in self-isolation and uh, human contact is but a dream, what an absolute pleasure and honour to be conversing with you, fellas. <laughs> I hope you're both in great health. I'm uh, trying to keep... Uh, uh, healthy and fit. And you're right about Rambo. I couldn't believe the response I got when I started uh, telling people last night I was watching Rambo. One of the great films of all time. In- ah, I think Mr. Perry may have well, dropped off there. We've lost him. He was just, yeah, a bit of a problem with his he line. He was just we'll getting get into full speed there. He's, he's he was. He'll hear his it, voice. It does, it's, not a very, it's not very difficult for him to pick up the pace again. Don't worry about <laughs> that when he's back. But yes, he was watching Rambo First Blood. He was watching the first of the... Which is... Have you ever seen, Andy? you ever seen a Rambo Oh, film? yeah. Of course. I saw the first yeah, one, yeah. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. So we'll, we'll attempt to get but Mr. Power. You've seen back. one. You've seen them all, really, haven't you? I think. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's up to him if he likes. Um, while we're waiting for Mr. Perry, this... We have had some brilliant examples of people being absent. I think they're called uh, COVID idiots or something like that. Or COVIDiots. COVIDiots, uh, I would imagine. COVIDiots, yeah. I think, is the hashtag. But a man from Coventry ignored the coronavirus lockdown by driving to pick up windows he bought on ebay for 15 pounds his wife was forced to sit in the boot as she couldn't fit in the car the driver was stopped by northwest motorway police on the m6 during the 220 mile round trip having collected his purchase in salford officers issued the man with a traffic offense report people are bonkers wow Bit of a shot when they opened the boot. I mean, what, what, how did <laughs> yeah. they know she was in there did they probably wanted to check the boot or something <laughs> she really thought it was rob bryden this, uh, yeah, is, uh, is Mike back yet? Is, is he resurfaced? It, it sounded like his phone had died on him. Or it had that sort of sound. It didn't, just, it didn't go Norman Collie. It just went doof. And, uh, yeah. We want to know more about uh, the fact that he's been, uh, he's been looking at the moon. Um, you know a fair bit about sport, Andy, but did you know anything about uh, the flying Cholitas? You ever heard of the flying Cholitas? The Flying Cholitas? No, I can't say I have. Who are the Flying Cholitas? I'll tell you later. Uh, because Mike, oh, no. It was Mike. Oh, yeah, don't touch that <laughs> dial. Because Mike Perry is back. Mike, you were just I'm in full flow. You were talk- Hi, guys. You were talking yeah, about I'm the so- first Rambo film. That's right, absolutely. First Blood, and I thought it was this astonishing film, loved it, and it got a fantastic reaction from people, because I think we have to get out of ourselves at the moment. You know, life can be pretty trying when yeah. you're self-isolating, so to see a guy like Rambo, what I love about Rambo was the world was against him for something he didn't do, but that didn't let him stop himself from trying to prove he was the victor, and in the end, in the end, he came out on top. Well, I mean, he got a life sentence in jail, but, um, you know, he, 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 uh, he, he, he kind of made his point to the local sheriff, didn't he? 
Yes, he did. I suppose he did. I mean, yeah, he, he, he came out on top having got a life sentence in jail. Yeah. You mean? Now, you, we, <laughs> exactly. we, spoke, we spoke to you last week and you were saying, Mike, that um, uh, you were looking back on the work of Sir Isaac Newton in isolation during the plague. Yes. And, yes. and, and you, he came up with his theory of gravity, of course, at That's that right. point. And you, you had big plans. It seems uh, you've been turning to astronomy uh, this week. Is that well, right? Well, uh, no, not so much astronomy, more the moon. Now, what oh, happens is, fellas, as you, as you know, being a, a, a scholar of uh, journals and, and all things written, I get lots of books sent to me. Yeah. And a lady called uh, Kirsty Gallagher, but not the Kirsty Gallagher of sports fame, right? Okay. She, yeah, okay. She, this, this woman is, is a renowned um, sort of astrophysicist, and she's written a book about the moon. Yeah, and I got this book, and I've worked out now why, during some phases of my life, people might have thought I was a bit odd. It wasn't my fault. It was, it was to do with the fact that 90% of your body is made up of water. Mm. So as the moon affects the tidal pull of seas on this planet, it also affects the tidal pull of water inside your body. Mm. And I seem to be particularly um, susceptible to a full moon. Right. right. So all this, um, you know, stuff over the years about, you know, loonies go out in the full moon and all that. There is actually some truth into the fact that people can get very excitable on full moons. So some of the more well-publicized mistakes I've made in the past, I may now appeal against on the basis that it happened on the night of a full moon. What do you get up to then when there's a full moon, uh, Mike? What, what generally <laughs> happens to you? Do you start getting very hairy hands? <laughs> well, no, no, but I, but you see, I've never I've never put the connection together before. No. But now I've looked at the charts and when full moons come up and when they've come up, and I've looked at my diaries going back twenty years and some extraordinary things that have happened to me. You know, maybe I've made the odd misjudgment here or there. You know, um, oh, has been on the night of a full moon. I think I've got a, a great case for an appeal against things that people may have misunderstood in the past, if you, if you see what I mean. What a now, wonderful excuse. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. Try, try and get that one through a court of law. Um, now, the other thing I want to tell you about, fellas, is I'm into mindfulness as well. Oh, good. Uh, this, is, this, this is something that you should all get into. And I tell you what, it's so easy to do when it's self-isolating, because what you have to do is you have to actually detach your mind from the rest of your body for about two minutes and just let everything drain out of your body. And what you do is you focus on one particular thing you look at. And what I look at when I'm doing this for two minutes a day is a picture, which I'm looking at now, of Dixie Dean in full flight in the 1927-28 season at Goodison Park with the famous church in the corner behind him. Mm. I only have to focus on that for two minutes and suddenly... I come back in like I've been hypnotised. I'm a new person. Really? So we well, should all just take a, an image uh, like that yes. that just sort of takes us away mm. from everything that's going yeah. on. Yes. No, No. I'm, I'm quite okay. serious. I, I mean, honestly, because, you know, isolation means that you've got not four walls around you. I mean, obviously, four walls in one room. But if you've got six rooms, it's 24 walls. <laughs> but um, what, I, what, what I'm saying theory. is... <laughs> Sorry, yeah. but what I'm saying is you can go a bit stir crazy now yeah. I do go out fellas and I go out because I have to for instance pick up the medicines okay and the medicines are important to keep the heart going I'm a critical case now what I really object to when I'm out and the roads are pretty deserted the pavements are deserted and I cross over somebody's coming the other way because I don't want to get into their, their space right 
But if a jogger runs around the corner like they did yesterday as I came out of my surgery and nearly bumped into me and he was panting like a steam train, right? <laughs> that guy's exhaling about 100 times more breath than an ordinary person walking would do mm. and that is scattering all over the atmosphere and I think joggers should now be banned during this crisis period in the country because I think they are exhaling and expelling potentially large amounts of poisonous air which could give people the virus. Well, yes, we did talk about this on the show yesterday. It's funny, Mike, you should you? mention Dixie. Yeah. Yes, we did. It's funny you should mention Dixie Dean there because it reminds me of uh, very early days of the show. We used to speak yes. to uh, Chessie, Lisa Francesca Nand. And do you remember, yeah. Paul, her grandmother was a very old woman at the time. She was about in yeah. her 90s. But she knew Dixie Dean. She'd she been... went to she went to Dixie Dean's 21st birthday party. Party. She was That's... at the party. What about that? That's incredible. My grandfather, Andy, uh, lived in the same street as Dixie Dean in Prenton in Birkenhead and was a friend of his and went to the 1933 FA Cup final with him. And through a family connection, I've got one of the only handwritten letters that Dixie Dean ever wrote. And he wrote it to a mate of his. um, And it was about settling a, uh, a betting debt. Okay, And... Um, he signed himself. He hated the the um, the title Dixie, and he he signed it at the end Bill, because his real name was William Ralph Dean, and right. he didn't like being called Dixie. And that letter is going to the new Dixie Dean Hotel in Liverpool, okay? And it will be in a glass case on the wall as a, an artefact, you know, from um, yeah. the Dixie Dean era, and it'll have a little plate underneath saying donated. By Mike Parry. You see what I mean? Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Brilliant. That's, oh, that's good great. Stuff. Well, we'll look out for that. The, yeah, um, absolutely. You're, you're looking at the moon, finding out more about the moon. We said yes. Rupert Bell's making um, uh, rhubarb chutney. Um, Pete's been in touch. He lives in Sheffield. He said, I'm a yeah. sunny pro rugby player, um, six foot two, 17 stone prop. My wife yeah. thinks it's very funny that during lockdown, I've been making raspberry pavlova, coffee and walnut cake, and a lemon meringue. <laughs> There's nice. yeah. nothing wrong with that at all. That's fantastic. All round of peats, I think. Sounds <laughs> very nice. What, are you, what, what have you been... What, what's the kind of well, culinary delights well, of you in lockdown, Mike? Well, what have you been eating? Well, yes. well what, I, what I have found out is that you do eat far more regularly. I mean, I like being out and about, and you visit bars, and you have a packet of peanuts or something, you know, and a few beers, and then you might get, like, a roll and take it on the train on the way home, and then not eat a proper dinner and all that kind of stuff mm. and i do find that eating regularly is a bit strange but the other thing i find out and and you know i suppose i'm now empathizing with housewives over the centuries is that my kitchen now is full of washed pots washed plates washed cutlery washed right. everything yeah. i've never seen like it in fact i've discovered pans and casserole dishes and things, which my mum, God rest her soul, has been buying me over the years, which never got out of the packet, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and now, I didn't know what a casserole pot was. I thought, I thought it was something she'd given me to put a plant in. Um, and then, um, I, you know, I went, I went and bought some uh, chicken fillets and asked somebody what you do with them, and you put them apparently in a casserole pot, you know, hadn't, uh, hadn't got round to that yet. But I suppose one guy who can tell you all about the diet is um, your great friend who's coming on your show a bit later, Harry Hill. Oh, yes. Who, 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 and do you know what so interests me about, about Harry, who, who I'm a huge fan of his, and Paul, you've obviously got a very close connection there, you both have, but 
I did a TV show with another doctor called Simon Brodkin. Oh, yes. Simon was the guy who handed Mrs. Uh, Thatcher her P45, you know. And I had like a fascinating sort of half hour in the green room with Simon. And it, it's almost impossible to, to put together the huge intelligence a doctor needs to be able to, you know, ply his trade and qualify and all that kind of stuff with the extraordinary genius of comedy that these guys come out with. Maybe to really have got where I wanted to get in life, I should have gone and got a medical degree first, you know. If yeah. I was a brain surgeon, people might listen to me a bit more. I think you would have made a great brain surgeon, Mike. I would have had no doubt at all if I was confronted with you as a brain surgeon that you'd be the right man to sort me out. So, Brilliant. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Time for uh, what's been going on in the TalkSport Big Brother house, I understand. Mm, it is, actually, yeah. And it's day seven, and Moose has spilt his purple-coloured smoothie on Stuart Pearce's white shorts. Oh, the language was colourful. <laughs> it was, just, as Stuart explained it to him, he told the story brilliantly, didn't was, he, really? Yeah. Uh, he bought him a drink, didn't yeah. he? And then, for some reason, they're in the queue at the Maracanã station, and it's in a plastic cup, and it's uh, acai. It's this kind of berry gloop. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, I mean, it stains everything. Oh, it's purple, deep purple. And he said suddenly he had this kind of spasm with his hand where he squeezed the container <laughs> for no apparent reason whatsoever, like he was crushing a beer can. And it just went all over Stuart. So I mean, imagine getting the eyes from Stuart Pierce from the moose. I, I, that would have been very funny. Day eight, and drive time producer George Cummings has annoyed his housemates by skateboarding in the dining room at midnight. Yeah, oh, so rock and roll. The boy's living the dream, isn't he? What else have we got? Yeah, what have we got? Day seven, and Maka and Adrian have forgotten their keys to the Talksport house, and H&J producer Tom Hughes has had to disrupt his meal to run home and let them in. That's right, uh, and uh, subsequently more keys have been cut, so it doesn't happen again. Finally, yeah. day eight, and Moose has been swimming in the sea and has been harpooned by local fishermen. <laughs> Greenpeace have been caught. That's not true. <laughs> That's that last true. one. No, I just made that one That up. last one's not true. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. Now, I mentioned earlier on, Andy, uh, people in sport that you'd never heard of, the Flying Cholitas, um, and you didn't yes. know what they were. No, I'm These are, I, are. I saw a, a feature in the Sunday Times magazine the other day. They are Bolivian female wrestlers. And the thing is, they fight in traditional costumes, the big skirts and the, the top and the hats. Oh, so yeah. they, they're fully clothed, uh, and they, they fight like that. And um, they're a popular fixture in the ring in recent decades, we were told, as part of an indigenous renaissance. So they, it's like they're almost like the, all the women in sort of 40, like an I, I Stedford-style dress, big, uh, you know. And then they, they have a big tear-up. Um, so they are the flying Cholitas, female wrestlers. Is it on live? Uh, I don't. Anyway? Th- I will have to find it. I'll have to find some fr- flying Cholitas for you online. You can probably come find some on YouTube. But um, do you remember your um, time with the uh, Lucha Libre uh, wrestlers, the oh, Mexican yes, wrestler? Do. Oh yeah, I remember who that hurt very your very arm? Well. It's, uh, it's a f- favourite. Uh, it's a favourite clip of mine. That I wish we could that's find a it. Terrible bloke. Honestly, yeah. I don't know why he did that. He went, "Oh, look at this," and he said. Practically wrenched my arm off. It wasn't it, it massively was, it impressive. It was hilarious. It's, um, it's incredible. No, yes, Andy. No, carry on. No, the, you can always rely on the Daily Star's letters page for 
ridiculous reactions. This is uh, this is somebody reacting to Jack Grealish's apology. He said, uh, he said, Grealish really is a moron. He's all that's bad in today's sportsman. He should be charged and sent to prison, apparently, for at least six months. You think, well, not really. That's a, a bit overreaction there. But, of course, that's what you get these days. Yeah. And um, There was some good tennis... news about Paul Chuckle, Andy. Did you see that? Um, oh, yes, Paul I Chuckle, did, yeah. The Chuckle brothers. He had the virus. Uh, but he is now recovering. He's in good shape. Um, and I thought it was good of him to go into self-isolation so uh, he wouldn't give the virus to me or to you, of course. Oh, that was thank the... you very much. <laughs> Surprised no one. Someone definitely would have done that. <laughs> and uh, tennis chiefs are opening up their online coaching vaults for free. So you can access if you want tennis coaching. But why bother when you've got John Newcomb? I mean, who needs it, really? He's, your, he's old, the man. your old mate, John Newcomb, and his uh, tape. Also, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer said that um, we saw some film yesterday of Jose Mourinho doing a fitness session with the Tottenham players on Zoom. And mm. uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer said um, he's been in the garden with his kids, working on finishing, and he said he's told his players to do that as well. He said most of the players have got good facilities and decent gardens, so hopefully their wives and girlfriends will be able to put in some passes and crosses. <laughs> I mean, if you were reliant on Sue to, to play out wide and just swinging crosses for you to meet, I mean, what are the chances, Andy? Well, it wouldn't be great. I could put her in goal, though, I suppose. It should be, you know, I suppose that's what they, what they do, really. Yeah. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Uh, Rupert, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Yes, Rupert's mate at 80 to 1. Wow. If you want to know. Yes. Oh, uh, so, wow. That's uh, a incredible. Bit of a, a, bit of a, a bit of a shocker there. So, um, and um, hence the reason by the surprise in my voice when he's picking up like that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so and righteous mate flew at the finish. But anyway, he did win beating a Super Red Dragon. So, uh, 
But uh, there you go. Um, and just glad they've got some racing over there. Um, and, and it's so popular over there as well. That race was worth 77,000 US dollars. Actually, quite a serious race as well wow. in terms of prize money. Have you, yeah, uh, have you been to the, the course? I have indeed, yes. Uh, many moons ago, went out for the... They have a big meeting in December, uh, an international meeting, and they used to go out fairly regularly. So I've been to both Happy Valley, which is the uh, sort of oldest course there, um, very compact race course, but Chartin's much bigger, got obviously the turf track on the outside and with the dirt track on the inside. But it's, you know, for that day, they'll get 80,000 race guards under normal circumstances. They love their racing in Hong Kong, and, and Chartin is their premier venue. Mm. Um, now, Rupert, um, you've been uh, been a bit, bit of stuff in the kitchen. I understand this has been a bit of a diversion for you in lockdown. Well, yep, um, rhubarb chutney. Oh. I don't know whether you like the sound of that, but my rhubarb is my rhubarb, which grows next next to my cesspit, which has just been emptied. <laughs> nice, um, lovely. So, so I just thought I'd share that with you. But my Good. rhubarb has benefited by being near my cesspit. And is growing brilliantly this spring. And I had picked two lovely stalks of rhubarb and then found some cider vinegar, a bit of caster sugar, some ginger in the cardamom pod. I sound as if I know what I'm talking about here. Boiled the said contents mm. and, and have jarred it. And um, so far, so good. I haven't tasted it yet. Um, um, so fingers crossed that this uh, rhubarb chutney was worth the effort in these strange and confusing times. I think it could be a new song for you. Uh, My rhubarb brings all the boys to the cesspit. I think it could that could take <laughs> off. You should certainly do a cover version of that. I think so. Now, also, you've been, you've been doing a bit of slow commentary. You've been keeping us in touch with the growth rate of your veg uh, in your in your allotment. Well, I, I can tell you that um, there's been uh, the stuck in the stalls at the moment are the tomatoes and right. the peppers. But uh, at last managed to make a, a catch on the uh, uh, dwarf beans. We have kale and uh, rocket. <coughs> oh, I think he's dropped off Hello, there. Right, the, there? Exciting, the exciting moment of the kale and rocket, and he just yeah, dropped we, right we off. Finally, yeah, but see if we can get Cess Pitt. I, I, I knew Cess. He used to play with Billy Meredith, a tremendous oh, yeah. player. What a player he was. <laughs> um, so, Rick, yeah, you were just saying the, you've, you, the tomatoes have been disappointing, but what's been going well for you? <laughs> Uh, kale is showing, and broccoli are showing early promise. Broccoli. But uh, kale and broccoli are clearly, um, well, kale back in the day used to just be cattle feed, but now we all swear by it as a superfood. Uh, um, so my wife is insisting I grow some kale and broccoli, and they are, they are off to an early start in the greenhouse. Um, I go and talk to them every morning and, and try and encourage a good performance. But uh, at the moment, uh, my tomatoes are reluctant performers. Oh, okay. Fair enough, Rupert. Uh, we're going to bring you an on this day <laughs> in history. So exciting. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a white knuckle ride of his vegetable patch. Um, on this day in history, yesterday, our feature, where we look back on a big sporting moment in history that happened yesterday. And uh, this was the 1973 uh, Grand National. And uh, it was seen as a two-horse race, effectively. The two favoured horses were Crisp and uh, Red Rum. And uh, we'll talk about it in a few moments' time. Um, Crisp went off a ridiculous uh, pace. At one point, was 33 lengths ahead of the field. Um, but we're going to pick it up at the final fence. Uh, of course, uh, the late great Sir Peter O'Sullivan is your commentator. So this is how it all unfolded back in 1973. 
Coming to the final fence in the National now, and it's Crisp still going in great style with 12 stories back. He jumps it well. Red Rum is about 15 lengths behind him as he jumps it. And Dick Pittman coming to the elbow now in the National. He's got 250 yards to run. And Crisp just wandering a little off a two line now. He's beginning to lose concentration. He's been out there on his own for so long. And Red Rum is making ground on him still as they come to the line. It's a hunt for a longer run now. 200 yards now for Crisp and Red Rum still closing on him and Crisp is getting very tired and Red Rum is pounding after him. Red Rum is the one that's finishing the strongest. He's going to get up. Red Rum is going to win the national and at the line Red Rum has just snatched it from Crisp and Red Rum is the winner and Crisp is second. It was quite dramatic, wasn't it, Rupert? I'm sure you've seen it back over the years. I didn't think it was as exciting as the 215 that shot in myself. No, it was. It was no 215 that shot in, but it did its best. Um. Or, or, or the race commentary on my vegetables. Um, but um, I can no, say no, it was better it was, than that. What? <laughs> okay, uh, you're not feeling the love for it, but I do. Uh, and that was just one of the great racing memories I have. I was. Um, just a teenager uh, uh, in the early um, teenage years and remember watching it. And the, the, the reason that's such hope, heartbreaking for Chris, he was a brilliant horse, come over from Australia. And as you heard Peter O'Sullivan say there, he was carrying 12 stone and he had gone off at this furious pace. And basically, he just ran out of energy. He, you know, all but won the race. He, he Nothing wrong. You can't blame Richard Pittman. The horse had given his all. But the weight did for him in the end as Red Rum powered on to win. But obviously that was the moment then that the legend started to be formed. But it was a wonderful race. There was some really good other horses in the race as well. So it was a classy national that year. And that race, obviously, for many, you know, it set Red Rum on on the road to his three wins. Uh, He was an extraordinary horse, as we know. But Chris, heartbreaking for all and sundry uh, that and connected with that horse because he gave his haul. He was a brilliant horse in his own right. Now, you've done golf for us, of course, many times, uh, Rupert, over the years. Um, and uh, you will be aware and know, I'm sure, from the circuit, Peter Alice, the uh, BBC commentator, <coughs> the legendary commentator of long standing. Now, a stat has surfaced today, and, and it's April the 1st, we're all aware of that. So at first I took it with a pinch of salt, but it has been verified by certain uh, people out there in the world of social media who know these things. But apparently the word is that Peter Alice, uh, when he was born, weighed 14 pounds, 11 ounces, and was the heaviest baby in European (coughs) history at that time. Really? Who knew? (laughs) Steady, steady. (laughs) That's what the midwife would have been saying to his mum, I would imagine. 14 pounds, 11. You're right, Rupert. Oh, Rupert. He's gone. Dear he's choking dear. on his choking on his rhubarb chutney. Uh, I would just better. fancy a bit of Peter's politically incorrect commentary now about some woman's kitchen. <laughs> Fourteen pounds, you say? Good. Fourteen God. eleven. I have never seen yeah. single. You're in a bad way. Just yeah. That's. I mean, are you imagine giving? I think I think you're just imagining giving birth to a fourteen pound eleven ounce baby, Rupert. That's why. That's why you're so thrown. <laughs> Mrs. Alice must have been, see, mother must have been a formidable woman. <laughs> I would have thought. <laughs> I'm just. I'm, I guess she was, Mrs. Alice. Uh, I, I think. I mean, it'd be too much to expect her first name was Alice, wouldn't it? 
That would it could yeah. happen. Alice, you, Alice, you Alice. Some, Alice, Alice. You met your Alice. You marry someone called Alice. Yeah. You're Alice, Alice, aren't you? Really? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I mean, poor her. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Yeah. Um, but um, um, I, I don't know Peter Alice that well, but. Um, you know, uh, obviously, um, from his politically incorrect commentaries, would would um, we're going to miss him at the Masters this year because um, yeah. we're not going to be watching it. But uh, I'm still gobsmacked by 14 pounds worth of Peter Alice as a baby. <laughs> Brilliant, Rupert. 14, 11. We will, ca- yeah, that's right. Don't forget those 11 pounds would have made all the difference. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport. The weather generally in the first week or so of uh, lockdown has been good. Um, it's, it, it lifts the mood to see the sun shining every day. I mean, there's been a f- Well, so what, you can't go out? No, but you, know, you can go yeah. out. At least when you do go out, the weather's good. I mean, it might be No, worse. that is true. Um, it probably, um, anyway, uh, let's discuss that now in the company of uh, legendary weatherman, John Ketley. Good afternoon, John. Good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, Andy. Um, but maybe let's get your tip for the 245 at Chartin. We'll, we'll take whatever we can get, John. What, what well, do you fancy in this I, one? I have to say, I don't know anything about the form of these horses. <laughs> I presume they've got one leg at each corner, so they've mm. all got the same opportunities of winning. Um, I did think about um, no one's listening or something. <laughs> that would be a bit rude for our <laughs> yeah, listeners, thanks. wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> really, really encouraging. Yeah, no, just, no, it's called Just Not Listening. I thought just that was very listening. rude to go for that one. Yeah, so yeah. instead yeah. of that, I've gone for what I can't believe this. You couldn't make this one. Up, but it's called the Weatherman. Now, the interesting oh. thing about the Weatherman is, I looked at the price a few minutes ago, and it was seventy to one, seven zero. Rupert's just called an eighty to one winner in the two fifteen, mm. and the the price is plummeting now. It's down to forty to one. So, <laughs> this would be quite staggering if this one went in. I have to say, no, it yeah. would be amazing. I'm I'm on Bert Ford. It's about twenty to one. <laughs> <laughs> Bert Ford. Who remembers Bert? Eh? He was a good wow. lad. He was a big <laughs> racing man, you know, was Bert. Was Did he? You know that? Yeah, very what big racing man. He used to run the book at the BBC. Well, it was the BBC <laughs> uh, presentation area where the weather studios were. And he, he was so obsessed with the racing in those days. Because, you know, when I started and when Bert was uh, in full swing, we used to do three broadcasts a day. So it was a very long Saturday. I think he spent most of his afternoon in the grandstand studio. And uh, he, he used to run a book. He used to run a book for the racing that were being televised. It was fantastic. Fantastic. So there's Michael, Michael Fish lost his shirt on the 220 at Kempton or something. It'd be terrible, wouldn't it? Mike, Michael would not spend any money on a horse, I can promise you. <laughs> this is great. The inside track. Well, I know. Oh, yeah. You know, Michael still owes Ian... me a half a pint of beer from 1983. <laughs> yeah. Ian McCaskill, he preferred the dogs. He was yeah. <laughs> dear old Ian. He was, he was a good character. A lot of people, a lot of people thought the world of Ian. Some people, just a few people in in the hierarchy at the BBC, weren't very keen because you never know what he was going to say next. But he did upset Margaret Thatcher on a few occasions uh, with some of his little quips. But he was always very funny. I thought. But this should be an after-dinner thing, this, John. Oh, the, you, the, you haven't heard about my after-dinner talking, then? <laughs> no, no, I didn't know you did. You tales of the weathermen and no, the weather the, girls. You wouldn't believe it, but they're actually quite brief. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to know all this stuff. This is gold. Um, well, thank yeah. you. So, Just pass it on to your friends, you know. We so. will, we will. So, as I was saying, the we're expecting some kind of sort of relative heat wave this weekend I mean certain yeah. parts of the country yeah it's going to get colder before it gets warmer I have to say for northern Scotland where it's probably going to be snowing tomorrow ah, uh, okay. up, up in the mountain tops but um, you know it's not unusual really on the 1st of April it's more likely to snow at Easter than it is at uh, Christmas that's one of my old uh, mantras but um, it looks like we are going to see some warmer winds coming in from the Atlantic in the next uh, few days so Saturday into Monday would be the warmest of all there will be some heavy rain in the west so it's not going to be lovely for everybody but the further 
further east you are, then the warmer it's going to get. And this is such a shame, really, because we're losing the Grand National. It would have been the Grand National meeting starting tomorrow yeah. at Aintree. And it would have been a lovely day, I think, on Saturday. It would have been fantastic. So um, it's, it's a very... Very sad weekend, I think, for people like myself who've been uh, obsessed with the Grand National and race meetings for many, many years. When the world mm. is effectively locked down like this, I mean, I mean, people often call upon your services for weather forecasts. I mean, is it is it affecting your business as well? <laughs> because no one really wants to know what the weather is, do they? Well, the after-dinner speaking's picked up. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it will do after this. You're going to need some juicy stuff, though. Try yeah, and think of a few juicy yeah. stories, John, you'll have to add to the set. Yeah, I know. It, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a bit shallow at the moment, but we're working <laughs> on it. Uh, yeah, because a lot of my work, as you know, is involved in sport, and we've lost the football for the end of the season at the moment and we've lost uh, all the racing until hopefully something picks up in the beginning of May it'd be nice to think it would do behind closed doors no doubt but um, uh, you know we, I do get involved in the racing I get involved in the rugby and the and the, uh, the football obviously but uh, things are pretty quiet at the moment I've got to say so I'm relying on people like you for the phone to ring it's great but um, you know sometimes well, it can we'll be a long day we'll call you tomorrow then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's the weather like John Ketley yeah we just we get you on every day but, but I suppose the government John would prefer, yeah. or the governments around the world, really, because most are in lockdown, would yeah. prefer, prefer the weather be quite terrible because it would it would keep people indoors, which is what ideally they want, of course. As well, we all yes, do. but you're not going to get uh, you're not going to get absolutely awful weather all around the world at the same time. It just doesn't no. work like that. Where it you've doesn't. got low pressure in some place, you're going to have high <laughs> no. pressure somewhere else, and it's going to be gloriously hot sunshine. Mm. Um, if you want me to give you a rundown, I can do. There's rain coming into Melbourne tonight. In, right. in Victoria, <laughs> some more okay, rain. Fine. Some more rain coming uh, into Greece at the end of the week, and there's more wet weather down across Madeira into southern parts of Spain and Portugal at the moment. So there we are. Barcelona has been raining for two days. Uh, so high pressure, <laughs> high pressure centered across the middle of Europe. That's where it's turned a bit colder recently. Uh, but there's plenty of sunshine in the middle of Europe. No, I think there's an awful lot of weather going on, but um, sometimes it, it, even the weather has to take a backstage. It's quite grey and mild in Chiswick. If you want is to it really? Oh, is it really? I'll make a note of that. I could tell somebody and if anybody's interested. <laughs> All clubs are doing their bit uh, in these troubled times, including your own Burnley. I see yeah. they've handed over uh, handed over facilities at Turf Moor to the NHS and uh, their elite training centre and yeah. it's the stadium that that's being used. Yeah, that's good. Uh, by the local authority. And uh, the chairman said, um, do you see the figures came out, by the way, yesterday? Very, very solid financial figures for Burnley. Profits of 4.3 million. Mike Garlic says the future yeah. is extremely bright. Well, but in the short time, yeah. we all face unique challenges brought about by the pandemic. He's absolutely right. But the future yeah. is bright for your club. It's an established Premier League side now, aren't they? This, well, that's they? right. We wouldn't have said that 10 years ago, would we? We got promoted in uh, in May 2009. I was at Wembley for the match against Sheffield United. And look, look where Sheffield United are now. They're even above us. Can't yeah. believe it. Uh, but no, we've, we've done very well in the last 10 years. I know we've had a couple of hiccups. We've been relegated twice. But, uh, you know, it's a learning curve. I think even Sean Dyche doesn't know everything yet. He's still learning about his players and, and the way the Premier League runs. So, yeah, I think the, I think the, the prospects for the next few years do look very good. And it's... It's an extremely well-run club, obviously. Uh, we don't dip, dig uh, too deep into our pockets for uh, big transfer fees. So, um, no, I think the long may continue.
Good stuff. Finally, John, how, how, how is lockdown for you? How have you been coping? What you been up to? Anything well, new? Any new skills you've, you've developed or uh, planning well, to? Same old skills going very badly, I think, really. I mean, we do a little bit of gardening here, a bit of vegetable growing. I was very intrigued with uh, hearing about Rupert Bell's um, rhubarb. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it has been a very good year for rhubarb so far. It's that mild winter, mild wet winter, really, that's brought it on. We've had a few, a few rhubarb sticks at Sunday lunchtime, so that's going well. Uh, now it's just time to get the seeds in and uh, get things blossoming for the for the summer because it's so difficult you know in some places to get older food fresh vegetables and things and it's only going to get worse isn't it next few weeks i dare say yeah uh, so the more f- crops we can grow in our garden the better it'll be i haven't got that much land but i've got uh, perhaps a bit more than some uh, which i'm very grateful for i'm very lucky indeed to have a vegetable plot good stuff all the best john we'll catch up with you soon mm. cheers then there we are. John Catley there. Be on the after-dinner circuit uh, very soon, I'm sure. Thanks, John. I haven't even got a garden. Really cheer me up there. <laughs> <laughs> no veg for us. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Hawksby and Jacobs uh, here on TalkSport. Uh, Andy, I know you, I've got a posh letter for you. This is from Oliver Smith Boys in Worthing in West Sussex. And uh, he says, sir, because of what they do in the broadsheet, sir, um, Nigel Garrett, letters, uh, March the 24th, could, like me, have his uh, hair and beard cut and trim once a year in spring. I put the trimmings outside so the birds can use them for their nests. Have you ever really? thought about doing that? You've thought about just chucking your old hair out the window. Your wife's a hairdresser. All of her clients lob it out the window for the birds for their nests. What about that? I, yes, not a bad idea. She's not doing a lot of work at the moment, though, for obvious reasons. So, no, uh, no, of course. And my hair isn't really enough to sort of. No, that's not, gonna, that's not going to uh, fill anybody's nest, is it, really? I wouldn't <laughs> not think. Not really, no. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, uh, do you have anything else for us, Andy? Rita Ora, it's fascinating how, even in these times, they manage to get a story about Rita out every single day. I suppose she sort of provides it through her own Instagram, but uh, yesterday Rita did the right thing by taking a trip somewhere sunny before the lockdown came in. Yeah. Uh, she uh, she posed in this blue wetsuit and tangerine strap heels, who cares? Uh, Rita told her social media followers, hope you guys are safe. Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, I was lucky enough to be in Miami in January before everything went into lockdown and got to work with some of my favourite people to shoot the new campaign, Colour Up for Deacon. She always, she loves to get the old plug in there and then uh, apparently though she also um, spurs herself on to exercise by dreaming about dessert. Uh, Rita shared snaps of her routine and said, when I stretch I think of banoffee pie. Oh, okay, so tremendous. Um, <laughs> now, um, we gave you the 2.15 at Chartin, and uh, Glory Glory was on Righteous Mate, the winner. 75 pence each way, uh, 80 to oh, one. Right. What bad. happened to the weatherman? Where, where uh, did the weatherman finish? We'll find out. That was, uh, that was the 2.15, the one we commentated on. I'll find out how the weatherman got on in the 2.45. I will find out for you. Uh, we're, we're still trying to track down Harry Hill. While we do that, let's bring you mm. Ian Danter. Uh, because, oh, yes. well, kind of Steve Bruce, because it's part six of Striker. This is the book that um, Steve wrote uh, back in the late 90s. He wrote three murder mystery novels. This is one of them, Striker. He, uh, it's about um, Steve Barnes, who is the manager of Championship Club, uh, Leddersford Town. He's trying to get them into the Premier League at the moment. But um, I think we've got a bit of a recap for you first to give you a flavour of what's happened so far. <laughs> Bright red blood on the knife blade. 
a knife in my hand. Duffy's dead body stretched out on the locker room floor. That's when Carberry opens the door. When I was headhunted by Leddesford, I jumped at the opportunity. There was a promise of money for players. Sir Lawrence was not the only one to interfere. He never actually told me to select a certain player, not even young Pat Duffy. But suggestions, especially from the boss, can be very persuasive. That's true. So anyway, here we go then. This is part six of Striker, read by Steve slash Dents. In the afternoon, we went for a run in the country. We took the children with us. I'm always conscious that I don't see as much of the kids as I would like. Travelling across the country to games, a long day with Leddesford, the rest of the week, well, it doesn't leave much quality time with the family. We drove into the Pennine Hills, parked the car in a small village, a church, a post office, a pub, and went for a walk in bright sunshine. The weekend passed quickly. Monday morning came round all too soon. By 8 o'clock, I was on the M62, the Trans-Pennine motorway, heading east from Cheshire. I leave home early because there's always lots of work to do. Julie has my meal sorted and I dictate most of my answers. Julie has good shorthand skills. She's a pleasant young woman. Not as young as she once was, but she has a good figure and the blonde highlights in her brown hair make her look more attractive. She's indispensable when it comes to dealing with my diary and the mailbag. Because I get there before the squad, who usually drives straight to the training ground out of town, it was a surprise when I bumped into young Pat Duffy. He was standing in the doorway of one of the VIP suites. You're here bright and early, Pat, I said. Yes, sir, he said in his reserved and polite way. There was a faraway look in the lad's eyes. What's the trouble, son? I asked. I expected him to say that some girl had jacked him in and he couldn't live without her. Sure, it's nothing, sir, Pat said. His face and the look of fear in his eyes told a different story. Come down to the office, I said, placing an arm on his shoulder. I have a son not much younger than Pat. If my boy were away from home and in some kind of trouble, I'd expect someone to be looking out for him. I strode off to my office. Pat Duffy trailed behind me. There was reluctance in his steps. His body language spoke volumes. Even the way he sat on the seat across from me, shoulders hunched, eyes wary, suggested this was more than girlfriend trouble. So there we are. There was uh, Steve. Yes. I'm, I'm sure his secretary was delighted. You know, not a, not as young as she used to be. <laughs> yeah, I know, a young woman who's not as young as she used to be. And <laughs> I think we should. I, I'm just wondering whether we should be restricting the number of uh, editions of this enthralling story, a bit like other soap operas, because we we don't want to run out, do we? We don't. There are no. three three books. More, yes, more on that uh, <laughs> later on. Um, Harry Hill joins us just after three o'clock, but we are going to bring you uh, the. Uh, Clips of the month. Uh, I just wondered if I if we I need the details of the clips of the month. Have I got them in front of me? I'm just. I've, I've got them, so you should have them. Okay, fantastic. I probably got. I think them John well. John sent them through to us. I think so. Uh, okay, marvellous. Okay, then. yes. Uh, where I've got them here. Here we go. Then let's bring you the clips of the month for March. <laughs> Smooth.
Yes, here we go then. We've got um, six clips for you from uh, March and uh, we'll, uh, we'll basically decide the winner via Twitter and play the winning clip of the month just before four o'clock uh, this afternoon. So check out um, TSHNJ, that's T-S-H-A-N-D-J and uh, that will uh, allow you to vote for your favourite. So we just play it just before Goffey and Adrian join us uh, at four o'clock. But, um, What's happened we- to the lightning seeds? They've gone. <laughs> no, so they've just, they, we don't play it all the way through, do we? Oh, don't uh, we? I thought we did. Okay, generally not, no. Day. We, okay, you're right. we start with a new series that uh, began last month. It was Talk Tech with Sam Allardyce. But you can be aware of it, you know what I mean? And what, what, you can have alerts that pop up. On the, I mean, the phones are so smart now, that's why yeah, it's called yeah. a smartphone. Well, who knew? Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's... It's new breakfast presenter Laura Woods now, uh, back on Shrove Tuesday. Good morning, 9.19 on the Alan Brazil Sports Breakfast Show. I uh, hope you've woken up in a good mood, and you should do because it's pancake day. So if you're in a bad mood, um, go and flip yourself off with some pancakes or something like that. Okay, good advice, Laura. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> Lovely, this, is, yeah. this is Jim White looking at some big upcoming sporting events. A big weekend of Six Nations rugby as well. We're going to get our teeth into that very shortly. Of course, Fury Wilder too. Uh, fast approaching. We're going to get out our sacks to watch that. Nice. <laughs> really? <laughs> what a mental image that is. Uh, Not what's a great next, image. Andy? It's Mark Saggers and Ray Houghton. One of those moments when everyone thinks the microphones are off, but they're not. Well, thank you very much indeed, all of you, for uh, your calls so far. We've got another half an hour of the show. We're going to round things up. Charlie White will be joining us again. And if you have anything still you'd like to say to us, 0871722344. I need another wee. <laughs> <laughs> I need another wee, says uh, Ray there uh, in the background. Uh, this is Goffey on Drive during their top five feature. Number four, I'm going to go for Wes Wittering in West Sussex. Yes, you mm-hmm. might say, where is that? I'll have a stab in the dark and say West Sussex, Goffey. I think that could well be there. <laughs> yes, and finally, it's a quarter to Faker Others. A quarter to Faker Others. Yeah. You're from Loughborough? Yeah. Excellent. You support Everton? I support Everton in Loughborough, that's correct, yes. Wonderful. Why Everton? I've always supported them. They've always, they've always been my team, right? Right from uh, 60 years. 60? How old are you, if you don't mind me asking, Ian? Right. I am 60 this year. There we are. Before he was born, that's pretty impressive. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Emma Dale, uh, in the, uh, during the virus, have had to cut down the amount of episodes going out during the week. So Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, you'll be seeing all new episodes of uh, You've Been Framed. And uh, joining us now, the, uh, the voice, of course, of You've Been Framed, uh, comedian Harry Hill. Good afternoon, Harry. <laughs> Hi, Paul. Da 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 da. <laughs> it's an old lady at a wedding. She's falling over, and we can see her naked. When you, if you I'm hoping my clip will get on that I sent in about ten years ago that they've never used. Yeah, yeah but we can't use anything that's not child friendly. Andy, <laughs> nudity. Sorry, we should make that clearer. Actually, no nudity is allowed. Uh, and I mean, it was very much appreciated in the office. Don't get me wrong, but we couldn't possibly use that. No, of course not. Do you Even feel this is funny voiceover? Yeah. Do you feel this is the kind of your revenge? Because um, uh, <laughs> for many years on on TV, but you watch the Emmerdale omnibus, the sort of full three hours, and. Yeah. Um, 
and now you're you're replacing it for a couple of times a week. Well, you know, if, listen, if it carries on the way it is, you'd be framed will replace all the TV shows <laughs> on ITV because <laughs> eventually they will run out. And they, I've been doing it for 15 years. They've got about 20,000. But the only trick is, if are you able to tell the difference between the new? Uh, you'd be better than the old ones because to me they all look exactly the same. <laughs> Just a kitten on a draining board, always falling in the swing bin. Uh, a boy with a tray of hot drinks. Oh, he's got a third degree burn. No. Um, how are you keeping, uh, fellas? Oh yeah, we're not oh, too bad. We're too bad. Uh, we're just. Uh, what about you, uh, Harry? How, how's, how's isolation been for you? Well. Um, I've, wor- I've watched all the Netflix. All of it? I've watched all, <laughs> all of it now. I finished yeah. it. Uh, so what time is it now? About an hour ago, I finished it. And I, was, I thought I'd leave it a couple of days before I start on BritBox. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, a great idea. I, yeah. It is yeah. a good idea. I saw that, because uh, I follow you on Instagram, Harry, and I saw that, uh, very cruelly, like myself, you were rejected by the Royal Academy Summer Exhibition. I know you, I think you've had one in there before, though, haven't you? Yeah, well, did you have to mention that, Andy? Yeah. <laughs> I know, it's depressing, isn't it? <laughs> well, you know, we've got enough of going wrong at the moment, and you have to bring up something that was, you know, even pre-COVID. <laughs> yes, I was rejected. Oh. So there's hope for um, for artists everywhere. Yeah, I'm not doing that again. I can stuff it. What do they know about art? <laughs> um, Weren't you in the, the year that Grayson Perry uh, did it, yeah. uh, coordinated? Yeah, I thought you were in there Yeah, that I year, got was... in. I've been in a couple of times, and it is thrilling, because... Yeah. Have you ever got in, Andy? No. No, of course not. No. What was, it, what was your picture of? Well, I sent in about six, six different entries this year. I sent them in under all different names and guises, uh, but I think What names did you out. use? What, what were your artistic Hockney, pseudonyms? put it on one of David Hockney, John Constable. <laughs> yeah. those, are, those are the lads. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I did put a politically correct one in under my wife's name, thinking that'll definitely get in. A woman doing a politically yeah. correct painting, but no, that failed as well. So what wow. can we do? Yeah, well, it's it? thrilling. If you get one in, it is thrilling because there is this this, this great thing on the they call it a varnishing day. Hmm. So all the people that have, uh, have successfully got in meet in the courtyard outside the Royal Academy, and of course it's it's people. Um, you know, it's amateur painters. I mean, obviously, like the big names don't bother turning up, but it's all basically people like uh, you and me, hobby painters. And everyone is really excited. And you go, you walk across the road to this uh, that church opposite the Royal Academy, mm. and there's like a little church mm. service. And, you know, it doesn't take the mickey. It's only about 15, 20 minutes long. And then everyone goes back to the Royal Academy, and you get like, uh, it's just the... Um, the artists uh, a sort of private view of it so you get to sort of wander around and uh, meet all the um, meet everyone else yeah oh. so if you so keep going you will get where does it. the varnishing come in though uh well i think that's what they were serving for drinks <laughs> it was it was cheap, i think it was a risling yeah, <laughs> cheap I think I think the listeners will be interested to know 
how you put you've been framed together. Are you just sent? I'll um, come off it, really. Well, I think no. <laughs> no just, well, maybe they won't be. But I mean, what's the I process? That, what's the process? They say don't say, they send you? They send you all these clips and ask you to just to kind of look for vague lookalikes of fucking uh, yeah. Phoenix in there falling off of a yeah. ladder. Yeah, I mean, basically, I mean, in the old uh, in the old days, people used to send in their VHSs, didn't they, or their mm. high eight, you know, super eight, whatever it was. But um, but now, obviously, they email them through to the sort of you've been framed uh, nerve centre. Yeah, and I think a lot of them are uh, setups. You know, there is this sort of people setting up to just to try and get the two hundred and fifty quid. You know, and that fee has not changed in the. Certainly not in the 15 years that I've been doing it. Wow. I know, yeah. It should have gone up, really, shouldn't it? It should have gone up. It should be a grand now, shouldn't it, really? I mean, I don't want to to just take money off of you. And if they put the budget up, you're going to get less for it, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. It's a bit idea. like who wants to be a millionaire. That hasn't gone up since it, 20 years it's been gone, hasn't it? <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> that is true. You know, um, have you been not... watching more TV, Harry? Have you, is, uh, you said you've finished Netflix, but have, is there anything that you've actually got into during uh, lockdown? Yes. Yes, I have. I started... Um, I am watching more, because I've got my 15-year-old daughter at home. Mm. Um, so, you know, she's, well, she spends all day watching TV, but I... Um, so it's a sort of, you know, trying to get some just work done, you know, trying to write some jokes. Yeah. Um, sort of, you know. Um, but I do, so I'll, I'll go and watch TV in the evening. So I watched that thing last night, Wild Tiger, everyone's talking about it on Netflix. I know, Probably yeah. yeah. Was it good? I, I've been tempted, but was it good? Oh, it's great. Well, I only saw the first one, but it, it is great. It, it, it's just what you want from one, one of those sort of documentaries, you know, it's a mad bloke, a bit dangerous, and um, lots of, they've obviously got lots of footage and lots of interviews, you know. So um, we only watched one. My re- my wife refuses to binge watch. Really? Yeah, it was up to me. Obviously, we just like you know, like one of those lab rats. <laughs> play, play, play. In three seconds. Why so long? Yeah, it's true. It, it does invite you to binge watch, doesn't it? You think oh, it's only oh, I might as well watch it now. Now and yeah. that little three second yeah, yeah. window. Yeah, um, yeah, that's yeah. the problem. Um, I watched that. I watched Wild Country. Have you seen that? That's a good I, one. I haven't. No, no. What's that about? No. That have you seen that, Andy? No, I haven't actually. What's that Wild, about? Wild Wild Country on Netflix. It's the uh, it's the story of the Bugwan. Do you remember the Bugwan? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. It basically had this sort of uh, cult, um, which in, uh, he basically he he was a bit of a, I don't know exactly whether it was him or his followers, but they you know they they. They started off in Pune in India, and they they bought this huge ranch in um, in America, and uh, sort of two thousand acre job, and they mm. built this city with an airport, and um, and he was driving around. He could be got seventeen Rolls Royces, and um, <laughs> really? and then it all starts to get a bit crazy because the locals don't like it. So then the Bhagwan arms, he gets wow. his own little police force. They've all got guns and. Anyway, it's a true story, and and, and uh, there's a sort of undercurrent of sort of free love and um, and all that. Oh, okay, well, sounds like I... a pub, the, the Bagwan Arms. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> was that the bloke in orange? Did he used to wear orange? Is that am I thinking yeah. about the right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I know exactly. who it was. Yeah, yeah. It was a, yeah. a red. It was sort of like a reddy. 
a radio, like a blood orange. I'd say. Oh, okay. Well, I have to look out for that then. Um, what <laughs> about old? Anything? Yeah. What? I was going to say, any old stuff you've gone back to? I just wonder if there's any... Because everybody's getting a bit nostalgic at the moment. Now they're, I mean, they? there, Yeah, well, apparently so. Yeah, just... Yeah. If, if, Are they? <laughs> Are they? What for? Yes. Yeah, yeah. The good old days. Yeah, yeah. well, that, that you, could have, you could be watching the good old days. It's there on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, what are the song? What will be the songs of you know when people would think back? To, this is you know, it's like any of these sort of disasters. You know, you, you there are the songs that sort of conjure up the um, the COVID nineteen crisis. I wonder what they will be. I don't even. It'll probably be. I put my guard down, and then you pull the rug. We'll all be singing that. <laughs> of course we will. Now, apparently, uh, Vera... Hey? I, I was going to say, Vera Lynn has re-released We'll Meet Again, so uh, oh, uh, that really? could be the one. My nan. My, I remember my nan. Obviously, they, they grew up... She was in the, you know, in the war, and uh, mm. my granddad went off to fight in the war, and... Um, she said she used to refer to Vera Lynn as that bloody woman, that <laughs> bloody woman, right? Because she said whenever she should go and see him off at the station after his, you know, leave, mm. they would play it over their tannoys, and she said I'd be fine until then. And then this thing, well, mate, I guess. and then she thought it would be too much, and she'd burst into tears. Oh. <laughs> So, I mean, I don't mean anything negative towards Vera. I think Vera should re-release. Um, they let my guard down. They pulled around. I was getting kind of used to being someone who laughed. She's 103 now, you know, Vera. 103. Amazing. Amazing. Well, so she says. But you know, has anyone checked? <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. So thank you to everybody who voted in the uh, clips of the month for March. Uh, winning quite comfortably 74% of the vote uh, in the finals. This one from Laura Woods on Breakfast, and this was on Pancake Day. Good morning, 9.19 on the Alan Brazil Sports Breakfast Show. I uh, hope you've woken up in a good mood, and you should do because it's Pancake Day. So if you're in a bad mood, um, go and flip yourself off with some pancakes or something like that. There we are. Thank you to everybody who sent in their votes uh, this afternoon. And uh, we'll bring you the clips of the week on Friday. As always, if you hear a clip on TalkSport over the next uh, few days, do send it into us, TalkSport.com, text 81089, tweet to TSHNJ. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. There we are. Uh, that was this afternoon's show. We'll do it all again, live from our living rooms uh, tomorrow at 1. What flavour out of interest, any crisps today? Oh, they were McCoy's uh, flame-grilled steak. Beautiful. Tremendous. That's nice. It's a beautiful. Rich cut. for that. So now you know, <laughs> for the completists out there. So thanks for listening. Uh, keep safe, and we will catch up with you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. 